What's up? Hey, we are a Solid Seven Podcast. We are a better than average podcast, but but just but just barely, just barely, <laughs> just coming in over the bar there. We are not a podcast about nothing, but we are not a podcast about any, any one, one thing. thing. How dare you, sir? I know. Sorry. How dare you? <laughs> Each week we get together and we talk about whatever is going on in the world that interests us. And we invite you to come along with us. And more often than not... Come along. There it is. Come along. See, now it's stuck in your head, too. But uh, more often than not, we bring a guest along with us. And this week, not only... I wouldn't say we have a guest. Like, this week... It's the we guest. We have the guest. Does that diminish... Pressure. <laughs> <laughs> Under Liz, pressure. You're, you're, a, you're a big git in the Solid 7 podcast oh. world, so uh, join me in welcoming uh, my good friend and soon to be yours, Mr. Jose Fajardo. Well, thank you. Where's the apostle? Where's the, oh, there we oh, go. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Yes, it's a full house we, here at the Hilton Garden Inn yeah. by UCF. Yeah. yeah, we also were... Uh, I made a little uh, social media post about it, but we're mobile this week. For the first time only, now we've, we've recorded... Well, we've recorded at Studio B. I'm not counting that as mobile. Gotcha. But we're we're like on the road. So I loaded all the recording gear up in my <laughs> handy dandy Go Ruck Bullet, and uh, and here we are. Yeah, Boom-roasted. came all the way down from Oviedo, right down to Oviedo, the other side of Oviedo. Yeah, yeah. I made the long drive. You uh, you came in from Hawaii. That's right. Just to record Hawaii, just to record with no you. That's reason. right. Yeah. Doing That's right. Else. Nothing else. <laughs> just here for the podcast. I was promised lots of money and some free Jocko discipline. Go drink. Uh, more the second thing. We're gonna go through <laughs> on at least one of those. At least one. Well, and on that note, let's uh, let's crack these bad boys right, open. I'm going see. afterburner orange this week, as is Jose. Now, if I understand correctly, this is your first, first ever. Just my first crack. Oh wow. Ooh. Oh yeah. That was that nice. was a. There's bubbles in there. Very nice. Yeah, it's a little ca- a little carbonated. Cheers, gentlemen. Cheers. Ah, cheers. I'm on the sour apple sniper today. Okay, uh, I should, that really does taste good. It, they are they are good. And I don't only say that because I know you told me about uh, Jocko, and I don't want him to come and you know beat me up. With yeah. This. No, you do not <laughs> want to be on his bad side. Yeah. That's that's for sure. But yeah, you don't even have to fake it. They're good. Yeah. Josh claims I haven't had this experience because I've been off the sugar train. For quite a long time, but Josh says it's a little bit of a rough transition on your first one. And a lot of my friends who are in the sugar world, if you're we're co- all like, "Ooh, that's a yeah. rough transition yeah. Yeah. initially." But uh, I've been at diet and or no soda period for a long oh. time, and so it's it was a rather and sweet it shows, transition by the for way, me since then. Known you for a long time, so I'm sucking in. <laughs> He's working out. <laughs> He's uh, ever since we recorded that episode a couple weeks. I keep getting notifications. Kill. Okay, so let me can I tell you how I met Kale? Yeah, yeah. Because like um, uh, so I joined a soccer league. Mm-hmm. Um, I was playing soccer for another soccer team, and I wanted to add another night to my soccer experience. My headsets are falling off my head. Uh, And uh, the guy that was running the team at the time, uh, Robbie Schultz, uh, picked me up. I was kind of put in a draft pool Mm. and didn't know me from from anybody and asked me to come play. And I came out to play, um, and about two or three games into that season, I kept noticing this guy sitting on the sideline yelling at the ref. Like, that's all he did was yell at the ref on the side. I didn't know who he was. I didn't know who he was affiliated with. Hey, man. I, you know, I didn't even know he was married to Jade, uh, who, who was playing on the team. I, I thought, I really thought he was, like, in charge of all the referees of the league. And that's he was funny. just there. Only. He was that yelling. passionate. That yes. You, he, <laughs> and, and so finally, 
uh, when I got to know Jade a little bit better, better she go, oh, this is my husband, Kale. I go, oh, that makes sense. Because he yeah. came, he was our fanboy. He came to all the games, oh, always all on the sideline. Everybody needs a hobby. <laughs> and I want to be very clear here that I made sure that those referees were getting paid yeah. before I ever said a word. And they were. And I made them earn their money. That's right. And then eventually a referee married one of our players. I feel like that's a Do I know that? Interest. Yeah, Sarah. You know, Sarah, that came uh, towards the end of our... She's now Sarah yeah. Morton. Yeah, Sarah works with yeah, me now. Exactly. Yeah. Well, she married the referee that was uh, one of our referees in um, the uh, the last the last fields that we played in okay, by, yeah, yeah. Uh, by Katie Way. I didn't yeah. know that. So she met him on the field when he was refing. She's uh, like, I like this guy. Yeah. He called. He didn't call a foul. I that like his yellow card. Says, Those normally aren't a positive interaction. That's yeah, normally that's not right. a love connection. Well, well, at first she was like, you know, I hate this guy. He's a terrible ref because they're all, you know, so lazy. And yeah. not, you know, I hope he doesn't hear that. But all these referees, they're just there for the 20 bucks per game. Sure. Uh, that's we'll, it. We'll blow a whistle every once in a while. Uh, and but I guess they met after hours and oh you oh yeah you're the ref oh you play for Great White Buffalo um, and they were a happy match and been married for a couple of years now yeah, wow. yeah. So yeah. amazing you, you saw, soccer brings people together uh, oh not me though <laughs> <laughs> I I could not be more bored watching soccer yeah oh come on I have to uh, tell us like at being live I think that's that's what turned me around like I was not a so. Uh, we met you in that that soccer right. league shortly mm-hmm. after we got married. So Jade right. was uh, was playing intramural soccer, and she had played. If you didn't have a team, they'd kind of cobble you right. together. Right. And so she did that the first season, and some of those people stuck around, some of them didn't. I think Robbie was one of them from right. that team mm-hmm. that kind of carried over. Yep. Um, but I like I couldn't have been less into soccer. Firmly believed it to be communist. There should not be ties <laughs> in America. There's no 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 contest of any. It started type. in England, like the least communist country in the world. Right, but like if we're okay, if we're gonna do it, let's make it better. Yeah. We don't have to do their crummy version yeah. of it, and we've improved <laughs> in some ways. Like we're not doing promotion and relegation. Right, we're True. not like hey, go ahead and invest a few hundred million dollars in this team. But if you stink, we're going to kick you down to a league right. where you have none of the same earning potential right. and can't get a hold of the players that can get you back up anyways. Right. So they've kind of figured that out over there. But the ties didn't work for me and it kind of whatever. I mean, I, I did see an Orlando City game with Kale, and it, that was cool, seeing it live. Yes. It was much different oh, than watching. You guys did go with yeah. this. Yeah, yeah, we saw, I think it was the women's It's everything, li- when you see something live, it's always better. Right, right, right. Um, except in NFL football. Yeah, I would not want to watch that live. Like no. I prefer watching that on TV. So go on. You were yeah. how did you? So how did you become in love with? Because you're you're a big time soccer fan now. Yes. Yeah, we've cooled some with the kids. Not so much that we're off soccer. We're just who has that? Like I'm not getting yeah. up at Sunday on you know six a.m. on Sunday right. mornings to watch Premier League games. That's right. just not happening at this point. Well, you um, should be in Hawaii where they come on at three o'clock in the that, morning. So is this why you made the move? Is this the <laughs> this might be breaking news here on the Solid Seven podcast of. Um, but uh, so I started going to Jade's intramural games out of marital obligation. Right. I'm like, oh, she's going to go play. I'll come watch. And just had no idea how fast paced it really was, how physical it was. It is a full, mm-hmm. uh, particularly American soccer is a full contact mm-hmm. sport. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, you'll hear play, like big time players that are coming here for the, you know their retirement tour to play in the MLS talk about how shockingly physical the mm-hmm. game is here. Um, and so gain more respect for it. And I love, and we've talked about this some on the podcast, Josh is a big American football fan mm-hmm. that has played, of course, with the hands. Um, and uh, <laughs> You kick it every now and like, then. It just drives me crazy to sit down and watch a, a football game, and there's an hour on the clock, and this is going to take me three and a half or four hours. Right. 
Eh. A soccer game, there's 90 minutes on the clock. Right. And with a halftime, it's going to take me two hours. Right. That's That's fair. A that's little not, extra time, but maybe, not, not maybe. much. Maybe. Right. It depends on how much they pretend to be injured. Right. right. Um, unless they're actually injured because their heart stopped. Yes. Do you right. hear about yes. this? No. So the Euros are going on, so it's a big, like... Mm-hmm. Inter, you know, it's kind of like the Olympics. It's country versus country. It's the like, it's the halftime World Cup version. Yeah. So they, it's like a World Cup for the European teams in between World Cups. So every four okay. years, but and uh, I can't remember the player's first name. Last name's Erickson. Christian. Right? Christian Erickson. This dude's mid game and just drops like a rock on the field. Wow. And the team doctor's like, we had to defibrillate him. His heart stopped just out of nowhere. This yeah. is a guy. I think he's he's either late twenties, early thirties. Mm-hmm. So peak yeah. physical condition. Mm-hmm. I mean, these soccer players are the top paid yeah. athletes in the You're world. You're running that much. You have to be. This dude dropped dead on the field. Wow. A day or two later, he's posting Instagram. Waving yeah, to everybody. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for your prayers. Yeah. Wow. So all's well that ends well. <laughs> That's neat. But uh, so the injuries not always fake. You shouldn't True. always boo True. and yell at them. True. If, they, if they're laying on the ground motionless for a long time, maybe don't boo. Right. Just right. maybe give it a minute. Yeah. But yeah. when they're grabbing the the knee and rolling around and yeah. sighing, yeah. Like, yeah. boo yeah. boo away. Uh, I do like Ted. Uh, what's it called? Ted, Ted Lasso. Lasso. That's fun. Oh, okay. I've not seen that. No. Oh, it's good. fan. No. It, it's, it's you can really only good. subscribe to so many things. Right. 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 You know, including you know, solid seven podcasts. You should subscribe to. Yeah. If you're only going to subscribe to one. One. That's right. Solid podcast is, <laughs> yeah. is the way to go. Yeah, so, so how did we get to soccer? Oh, that's how I met you through soccer. Yeah. yeah. Well, and so we slowly realized yep. we're getting to know, you know, you start to get through some games and you get to go. This isn't the kind of thing where you're like getting together during the week and practicing. Like right. you show up, no. you, you right. warm up, which consists of kicking the ball around <laughs> in a circle and gossiping <laughs> um, like yeah. a couple of old grandmas. Uh, and then the game starts and, right. and you go, right? Uh, so, you know, we're getting into these games, we're getting to know the new players, and, you know, it's probably like half or more of a new team and getting a feel for everybody, and we're slowly realizing um, that Jose is the most interesting man in the world. <laughs> in the world. So, like, you know, you just don't expect, like, you start to get a feel, like, if you're going to make small talk, the go-to is always like, oh, you know, what do you, what do? Because you yeah. Yeah. everybody loves to talk about work. Yeah. I don't know why we start with that, but... Because I think we want to see we want to see your worth. Like, what do you? <laughs> yeah, no. Where on the pecking order of my chat with you right. do you stand? <laughs> like, do I give you twenty what? seconds yeah. or yeah, like oh, a whole podcast interview. Yeah. Well, and I, I I I have this vague memory. I don't remember exactly how you said it, but I feel like your answer, like, I think it underplayed what you were doing for a living at the time. But Jose, who I'm watching, like take diving headers at this three foot wide <laughs> soccer goal, um, was the head of all public radio and television in Central Florida That's at right. the time. Yeah, oh, <laughs> like so a small job. The man. That's right. <laughs> so he's just he's just out here running up and down the soccer field with yeah. us, trying yeah. to score goals. And he's on solid seven now. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so well, is come this a, a long or way. A demotion started yeah. at the yeah. bottom. Now. But you know the cool thing about you know the cool thing about that soccer team. Um, and I think it's why I'm here today with you, Kale, and my new friend, Josh. Hello. Um, is after a while, we started to say, well, let's go after the game. Let's go to Gators and have mm, food. I love their words. And um, so this little team that couldn't score a goal, we went two or three seasons without scoring a goal at all, like no goals. Yeah. Uh, but we started going to Gators after um, the game. And we started to socialize and bond, and we came a, became a really a little yeah. family. Yeah. Um, and then we changed our name from Team Them to Great White Buffalo. Great White uh, we, Buffalo. Yeah, Great White Buffalo. And then we started doing uh, other things together and um, going to Orlando City soccer games before they were in MLS and the, uh, the, the, the minor league. <laughs> league. Um, 
and uh, just develop really deep, deep friendships. I mean, really family. Uh, and so when I come from Hawaii now uh, to visit, I always make time for Kale and Jade. Well, uh, and, uh, and and then we're going to see our soccer family yeah. this weekend. So That's awesome. Yeah. And it's it's grown. There'll be a lot of kids running yeah. around on Sunday. Yeah. But the you know the the learn the the story on that is if you if you put yourself out there to to meet people right I didn't know anybody on the team I just um, I was looking for something to do um, and you put yourself out there to invite people to come into your life um, a lot of times when and this is something I learned also in Hawaii if you if you extend your arms out like a hug the 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 person next to you is going to hug you back. I mean, you know, they're gonna like they're gonna open themselves up to you, but you have to you have to take that first step of opening the embrace, uh, and when you do, that you get rewarded. You know, with yeah. these wonderful deep friendships that, um, I mean, they've been there. Kale and Jade have been there in some of my roughest times of my life. And and uh, how long ago were you talking? You guys met? Oh, this would have been twenty. 10. 10 or 11, yeah. 2010. Oh, wow. 2010. We got married in 09, so, yeah. Yeah, 2010, yeah. I moved back to Orlando in 2010. Yeah, 2010, so it's mix. been uh, 11 years. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, sneaks right up on you. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. Now, I, I do want to confirm at this point for the listeners that are suspecting it, yes, Jose is the anti-me. <laughs> <laughs> so, whereas Jose's like, I would love to meet this new person. I'm like, ah, I'm all set on friends. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think of Jerry Seinfeld where he's like, no more, no more friends. I have enough friends. I'm good. <laughs> So, but thankfully you were like that even, I don't know if I was quite so curmudgeonly then, but Jade also likes to meet new people. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I owe her for our friendship, so I'll yeah, thank her. Yeah, I'll thank her for later. sure. Yeah. That's cool. But uh, You definitely do have the radio voice, though. You can well, just hear it. Well, I didn't when I first, well, so let me, if I may. Yes. Um, uh, I, I fell in love with radio when I was like eight or nine years old, so it's what I really wanted to do since I was a little kid. Um, I used to listen to AM radio in Puerto Rico where I grew up. Um, and it's what I wanted to do, but growing up, I had a, a little bit of a high pitched voice <clears throat> and I had a little bit, not a stutter, but I had, um, a little speech impediment where it was hard for me to say certain words. And right. I, there's certain words that are still hard for me to say that I avoid. Uh, I won't tell you what they are cause then you'll ask me a question that will include <laughs> the answer. We absolutely <laughs> would. Yeah. Right. Um, and so it took me a long time to, Knowing that I wanted to fulfill what I wanted to do was my passion in getting into broadcasting. I had to work on the quality of the voice. Um, and um, just even that um right there was like so professional. Sounds like um, like it's. <laughs> I wish I could sound. Yeah, cool and then like you that. also have crutches, right? Like some right. people have the um, some people have you know as a crutch, and you try to remember to fill that in with a little bit of a gap of silence instead right. of saying the word. But I had to practice. I had to really work on getting my, you know, as I told kids when I was training them and teaching broadcasting in college, one octave lower. Always go try to go one octave lower. I understand. Yeah. So when I when I'm on radio and I have a mic in front of me, I always go a little bit below. Right. If I was talking to you, you know, off the street, I'd be like, "Hey, what's <laughs> up, Kales? No, oh boy." Um, and then it's about um, trying to feel warm because a lot of people who get into broadcasting. They get into that jock voice and want to do, you know, announcer voice, um, and that does doesn't it's not very appealing. You know, yeah. you want to talk. The other thing I do tell my students when I was teaching um, or training people even now is, when you come into the studio for the first time, bring a picture of your spouse, your girlfriend, your mother, your father, 
and talk to that picture directly. Mm, that's cool. Um, because then you are having a conversation with that person. You're not talking, even though radio is, you're talking to thousands and thousands of people. Um, and I think that was one of the things that attracted me to radio in the first place when I was listening to AM radio was it felt to me that that disc jockey at 9 o'clock at night listening to AM radio was talking to me. Yeah. And I just fell in love with that. That's cool. Um yeah, so, but, you know, it's funny because when I was actively on the air here in Orlando on 90.7 and on Channel 24, I would go to Walgreens. We can, we can, do, we can say oh, like, yeah, yeah, Walgreens, right? Yeah. <clears throat> a, pharma, a generic pharmacy. <laughs> um, and I'd say, I'm here to pick up, you know, XYZ medicine. Right. And the person down the aisle would say, hey, is that Jose Fajardo from Public Radio? <laughs> wow. So um, I get that with Solid Seven a lot. Oh, you do, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he did our like our own little mini version of like when you hear a musician talk about the first time they're in a store in their car and they hear their song come on. Our little mini version of that. And we were actually a few weeks in. Is uh, a friend of ours uh, that still works with Josh. Josh was walking through the parking lot and hears our podcast, and he's yeah. sitting in his car listening to it. I'm like, yeah. yeah. Oh, there you it go. Was, I mean, it was a coworker, but still, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like, still, I, we had not had a conversation about it yet, and he was listening. I was like, oh, what? Everything starts little, right? Yeah. You have to grow, take one step at a time, and, and um, yeah. For sure. Yeah, I, I did. And I think we've talked about it a little bit before. I dabbled in radio a little bit um, back in the early 2000s. I interned on actually like a really popular morning show in, in Central Florida. Um, and, man, I, I love it. If I, I don't have many re- real regrets in life. Um, and I'm hesitant even now to call something a regret because – like you know who paths right. untaken who knows and i'm I, I couldn't be happier with where i've ended up but not sticking with radio is one of the closest things i have to right. regret and interning on that morning show but what they always talked about was they never really addressed my voice which surprised me but they just always drilled just own your microphone i wasn't mm-hmm. on the air constantly with them but i actually got a fair amount of airtime with them yeah. and it was always just where you go like move be animated but right. your mic goes with you you always right. own, and that always stuck with me and yeah. so, and now, and then I, I did some pro audio after that and you, you know, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you start to learn like monitor awareness and you've got some different things there, but that's why, like, I just have this unbreakable habit of resting my mic on my chin mm-hmm. because I know I'm always going to be oh, good. Oh, got the it. Mic. Got it's it. Always I get been. it from being on stage, not so much like radio side of it. Right. I did. Yeah. I'd done more stage stuff in front of live audiences versus any right. kind of like in studio right. kind of stuff so it's like boom right on the chin yeah the only the only negative of doing radio for so long uh, and being on the air for a long time both more on the radio um, side is I hate talking on the telephone Mm. Um, and the reason I don't like to have telephone conversations is um, you can't control the silence Mm -hmm. right in radio you're taught from a very early 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 age um, you know no no dead air yeah. No, there's no dead air in radio. If you listen to commercial radio today, mm-hmm. it is sound from beginning to end. There's no dead air. And so when I hear dead air, I panic because I want to fill it. And so if the other person is like taking an extended pause, I freak out. Yeah. And I want to insert myself into the conversation. That doesn't make for a very good telephone conversation. Yeah. Um, and so I, I tell people, like, it's not you, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll talk to you on the phone, but it's like for three minutes because otherwise I get anxious wow. of, of the dead air. Well, it, but you know who I feel like, and he, I, he's really the only person in, uh, you know, traditional radio that I feel like I've ever seen use dead air 
intentionally into effect. And I actually think of him when you talk about how you got into radio, because I know his origin story. He, he was actually working at a radio station very, very young. Um, and I know he's polarizing, so nobody, you know, don't email me if it's not your bag. That's fine. But Glenn Beck. Mm-hmm. And I'm um, offended. Canceled. I started listening to Glenn Beck when he was syndicated, first syndicated out of Tampa. Um, and he was just funnier and less serious. It was talk radio, but it wasn't the serious side that he is now. But so kind of went along with his transition to more serious, more political, whatever. But he's such a phenomenal storyteller and really got to the point where he'd, he'd use dead air to such dramatic effect mm-hmm. where anybody else would have freaked out. Anybody else would have wanted to fill that space and really kind of got away with it. And I haven't heard or seen anybody else do that in the same way that he did. But right. he's just got that storyteller side to him right? where I think he pulls it off. Right. But so your actual start, like first radio gig. Oh, yeah. So, um, hmm. So there's my unofficial start, which was for a college radio station in Killeen, Texas. So okay, so the backstory is I graduated high school in Puerto Rico um, on a, a DOE school. So I was on a military base. Um, and I went to UCF. In 1981, so was, was it UCF at that time? Because there was a it name was, change it in there. It had changed from FTU like a couple years before. To, was it to, like a mascot with an orange for a head or something? Uh, they I don't know. Uh, I don't. I don't remember. I don't remember. But so I came. Um, UC, and UCF was a really small campus. Yeah. Uh, Alafaya Trail was a two-lane road. Uh, University Boulevard was cow pastures. You know, all Jeez. the way to Winter Park. And I thought okay, I'm gonna come to UCF and get into broadcasting. You know, and um, I came to UCF and it was like going through high school again because you had to take all those English classes again and algebra. And it's like, and I got bored. I I did write for the school newspaper for the future. Um, It was uh, wrote in the sports section, um, covered women's soccer, um, men's soccer. Women's soccer was bigger back then than men's soccer. Um, And um, long story short, after my third semester, I was not invited back. Um, so, <laughs> how do you so, like me now? How do you like me now? Uh, and so, I, I had an option of joining the U.S. Army, which is not a bad option, um, or transfer. So, I transferred to a small college, Central Texas College, in the middle of Texas. Didn't know it, registered blindly, uh, but it, because I knew they had a radio and a TV station, like a professionally run public radio and NPR radio station. And so they used a lot of the students to to operate the station. So I got on a Greyhound bus in from Fort Lee, Virginia, where my parents were at, and it was a like a three day journey from Fort Lee, Virginia all the way to Colleen, Texas. Got dropped off in downtown Colleen in the middle of the night. Almost chased the bus down because it was like it was like OBT used to be in the old days. Oh, oh, oh. If you, and you're too young Ooh. to know what OBT used to be in the I old mean, days. It's still here. pretty rough driving down <laughs> <Yeah>. that road. <laughs> and um, so my first official job was working for the college radio station, uh, doing six to midnight shifts, uh, playing classical music that was all taped, uh, and then filling in with some classical music. And then on Fridays, I scored the big gig of the week, which was a show called Golden Review. Which was a, 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 I played records and it was music from the 50s and 60s. Let's and it was go. one of the biggest radio programs uh, in, in that area. And if you got that gig, that means that you were on fast track to be good in radio. Like, Did you have to was, talk at all or you just, played? yeah, no, yeah. I would back announce, you know, this is, you know, the Beatles and, um, 
And I even had a stalker, you know, calling me, you know, at nighttime. And I thought I was a young kid. I was, oh my gosh, it's like, oh, somebody loves me. <laughs> um, and so that was my first job. And I got paid $3.15 an hour. It's more than me. And then the week of graduation, I was um, hired by a commercial uh, radio station, country radio station, to do the news. So I was a, a reporter and I did the midday news cast. And I hated it. Like I just, that just wasn't in me. I just, yeah. I, I yeah. didn't want to chase police cars and attend city city hall meetings. Um, and so then I went to work for another commercial radio station, Jordan License. It was an AM FM combo. AM was still king back then. So FM was kind of like the throwaway station. Um, and I was a copywriter, so I wrote copy, commercial copy, uh, for a year. Did a part time gig on the radio. I didn't know what country music was. I grew up in Puerto Rico. We didn't have country music. I thought country music was John Travolta. (laughs) That's funny. Uh, Urban Cowboy reference, by the way. Uh, um, And and then I worked in commercial radio, country radio, for three and a half years. And if you know anything about commercial radio, although now commercial radio is completely different than it was in the 80s, um, I outlived everybody. Um, I had tenure by the time I was in radio for three and a half years because there's so much turnover with DJs and salespeople. And I did everything. I wanted to learn everything. I was like a sponge. Um, I told the general manager, I want, like, I'll work, whatever we want me to do, I will do. I will mop the floors. And I literally did. Um, and so I got to do uh, copywriting operations. I was on the air, I was um, running the promotions for the station, I even did sales for a while. And then I was hired back to that uh, college radio station, but as a professional, mm. and I was a producer director. Nice. And then I got to travel uh, the country, um, producing uh, training films for the military. This, you know, the military at the time was into training videos, um, and so I got to travel uh, to Fort Knox. You know, all these military bases around around the U.S. Fort Knox, Fort Sill. Um, uh, it, and I did a lot of deception devices, which were really cool stuff, like you know, uh, tricking the enemy to thinking that there was an M1 tank in the bush. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and I did that, and I just got get get, get got get, uh, getting promoted uh, from producer director to program director for the radio station, um, and then station manager for the radio station. And then I became general manager at the age of 29, and I was at the – I was probably – I think I was at the time the youngest general manager of a public radio and public TV station in the country at 29, general manager. Um, but I had ambition, and, and so Colleen, the mark in Colleen is very itty, teeny, tiny. Um, and so I thought, you know, I want to go a little bit bigger. Yeah. And um, uh, there was a job opening here in Orlando for 90.7 as program director, director of radio programming. So I applied and I went from general manager to program director, but I went from market number 152 to market 20. Yeah. Um, And that was 1996. And then again, I started getting promoted uh, because I let my, the the CEO know that I wanted his job um, and then became programmer for both public TV and public radio, became the senior VP of programming, then became eventually a senior VP for operations. So I took in more uh, and then was tapped as his um, uh, uh, replacement when he was going to retire. And so he finally retired and I became CEO of WMFE in I think early like 20, uh, 2004. 
2005, 2005, 2006, which was right at the beginning of the big recession. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. The perfect time to be in publicly supported radio. Yeah. Really. Yeah. And radio actually did extremely well. Yeah. Um, radio does very well in recessions because um, even during COVID, like in Hawaii, we did exceptionally well because people go to a source that they can trust yeah. for news and information. Oh, uh, and uh, public TV tends to be more philanthropy giving mm-hmm. and so that they we we heard a little bit on public tv side and that's why we sold the tv station eventually to to UCF yeah um uh, now, there was a statement at the time. Now, we don't edit, yes. the, we don't oh edit my gosh. the podcast much, yes. so if you don't want this out there, we'll edit right. it out. Yeah. Uh, but the the statement was made when this all went down. <laughs> I know where you're going. This is legit. <laughs> this was like a public statement that yeah. Jose, personally, him, had single-handedly killed the arts in Orlando. That's correct. But that wasn't because of the PBS sale. <laughs> That was because I the the radio station at the time was joint. It was uh, a, a NPR News morning and afternoon, and classical music in the middle of the day. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to take the station to an all news station. HD radio was beginning to become a thing. Mm-hmm. So I said, "Well, we're going to move all classical music to HD. So we're not really taking it away. You just yeah. have to find a, a different way to listen to it. And we will, you know, like we provided free HD radios to our audience." Uh, it was available online, so you could stream classical music. And so um, because of that, of, of taking classical yeah. music off the radio and going to all-new station, um, someone wrote an editorial <laughs> Dude, and awesome. accused me of, of destroying culture in, Ho- in uh, Orlando. Uh, but I, for, but for the sell the public TV station, I, I took, that took a lot of beating up too because how dare you? Because uh, at the time, it was, oh, you're killing Big Bird now. You know, how yeah. dare you? Because at the time, we were the only person that was interested in buying the station was a religious broadcaster. And so how dare you get rid of the public TV station and give it to a religious broadcaster? Because mm. uh, nobody else was interested. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't at the, at the last minute that UCF came in. Um, but that was, I mean, that was a public um, beating up that I took over that decision that we made, uh, you know, as, as a board. I didn't make that decision on my own, but it was in the best interest of the community yeah. because if we had not sold Channel 24 to UCF at that time, we would have gone bankrupt. We would have lost public radio, which was thriving, uh, and the community would have been out public TV and public radio. So now UCF that has you know gazillions of dollars was able to take on a public TV station, which gives them a lot of marketing value, gives them a lot of credit, you know, a lot of good feelings in the yeah. community because you got to rescue public TV. Yeah. If they have a deficit of $200,000, it's nothing. No, that's it, like uh, three kids' tuitions. No exactly, that's nothing. But if we, we couldn't carry that. It's more like one kid's. Yeah. <laughs> so now this community has a, a well-funded public TV station the money of the sale went into you know public radio as an endowment where they can then add more reporters, which they have done. Yeah. Public radio has here increased their value by by adding reporters. So, yeah. um, and that beat, I mean, I call it beating up. It, it was you know it, it was a tough ride yeah. for a year and a half because that's how long it took. Uh, and then I left radio, 
you know, I was just burnt out. Yeah. I was just like, I, I just can't do this anymore. And then went, went to work for the Chamber of Commerce. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, the, you know, because I'm I'm so sensitive, I don't know where that puts me on the Enneagram, yeah. but I loved to bring that quote up to Jose yes, yes. regularly, as I've done now. But because to me, it's the funniest thing because it's so patently false. Yeah. Like there was no, maybe monetarily, because there's grants and whatever, but there was no greater supporter of the arts in Central Florida right. than you. No one cared more. No one, no one did more. And to not leave our listeners in suspense, I'm happy to report that the arts in Florida are, are doing just and Florida are doing just fine. Oh, absolutely. So I was in the <laughs> I was in the epic center of the development of the Dr. Phillips Performance Arts mm-hmm. Center. I was on the one of the original committees um, to to help develop that and a big champion of that. Um, and I also was on the board of the Orlando Ballet mm-hmm. when they were having some really big difficulties and actually got kicked out of their building because the building was infected with mold and, and helped find them the space that they're in now, um, uh, which then created the opportunity for them to build the new um, building that they have in downtown Orlando. Um, all that, you know, a lot of that was kind of behind the scenes, yeah. you know, in, in lobbying commissioners for, you know, the 99-year contract that they have for that land lease. I was also very instrumental in, in um, uh, bringing, you know, making sure that Orlando City Soccer got their stadium in downtown, mm-hmm. you know, and, and leading the, 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 the call for that uh, through the Chamber of Commerce. Uh, but, I, yeah, supporter of the opera, the philharmonic, the ballet. So it was, it was a little, you know, like, oh, really? <laughs> Yeah, it it was just it was maybe the least true thing that could have been said about you, and that's why it's always so that take has always so entertained (laughs) me because it was so off base, and so I like to remind you of it uh, each and every time I I talk to you and see you. So, uh, so you're kind of successful. Yeah, I mean, so you know, success is you know that's your own measurement, right? Yeah, I don't measure success by how people view me, but how I view what I've done that I wanted to accomplish. That's cool, Um, and so. You know, besides the three-year thing I did at the Chamber of Commerce, which was a fun ride, I enjoyed it. Um, I got to travel to Turkey and Italy on on the Chamber's nickel. Um, by the way, always sporting uh, Orlando State soccer scarf <laughs> wherever I went. Um, but uh, I got I got to, and I'm still am in a industry that I wanted to do since I was eight. That's awesome. You know, and I've been successful in it. I've been in leadership roles. Um, I'm running now Hawaii Public Radio, which is a two-channel uh, statewide network. We have transmitters on all the islands, 18 transmitters. Um, we're growing. Um, and so I'm, I'm good at what I do, but I, I'm good because I love it. I have a yeah. passion for it. Like I, I love what I do. Tough place to work though. Hawaii. Hawaii is a really tough place to work. Seems yeah. really grim yeah. and dark. A lot of sunshine and beautiful <laughs> beaches and great food. Um, it was like, I didn't know Hawaii. I, you know, I was working at the chamber of commerce. I was, um, it was over Thanksgiving. I got a call from the recruiter and say, Hey, you should get back into public radio and we have the perfect gig for you. Uh, I was single at the time. Uh, so I was ready for my next adventure. I was beginning to get the itch to get back mm-hmm. into radio. Uh, my son happened to be stationed in the Navy in Hawaii, so um, that made it a little bit more attractive and landed there and, and said, yeah, this is a place I can live, work, and play. So cool. And I've been and there five years now. You're, you're based in Honolulu, yeah. Honolulu, right. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the, uh, 
I mean, not to make a hard pivot to anything even yeah. quasi-political right now, because I do want to ask you more about radio, but uh, the Russian Navy's been paying you a visit over there here lately. Yeah, do, I haven't been just, paying attention to that. balcony but, and just wave? Well, no, but we did, you know, we did uh, make a pitch for them to contribute to public radio, because I'm sure they're listening to public radio off the shore of uh, Kauai. Yeah, they've been within your reach. Yeah, so if we get any pledges um, to public radio in rubles... Yeah. That's no. What has? What's their? Uh, Who can keep? Yeah. Up? Anyways. Uh, the, yeah. Uh, probably stolen Bitcoin. Let's yeah, be honest. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> if we get a contribution in Russian, you know, money, I'll, oh, then we'll know. It's like, uh, oh, okay. Uh, you just gotta like the Russians. <laughs> I mean, you gotta appreciate the boldness of the Russians. They're like, we were like 350 miles off the coast of Hawaii. We're like, well, these satellite images show 35. So you guys like forgot to move a decimal around or right, something. Right, right. Yes, the Dewey system versus the metric <laughs> system, I guess. Yeah, it, maybe in Cyrillic it's different. Were uh, you were you in Hawaii? I can't ever say it how you just said it. Hawaii. Hawaii. Well, it's typically you're supposed to, the W is actually pronounced like a V, so it's Hawaii. Really? Okay, yeah, I'm so not actually the correct it. way to say it. Hawaii. 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 Yeah. All right. Now that we got that. Um, were you there when that uh, false uh, missile strike? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, uh, so uh, my now wife was with me. Um, uh, I don't know if we could say that on radio. The lovely and wonderful <laughs> Jennifer Barrett. Yeah, Jennifer Barrett Uh And um, uh, we were awakened by the alarms going off on her was phone. Was it at night? No, it was at like at six something in the morning, okay. maybe seven in the morning. I still have the the picture. Like I took a picture of my screen and it said, this is not a test. Yeah. This a, a ballistic missile is coming our way. Take shelter. Jeez. And so my balcony at the time, my Lanai, uh, o- over you know was on the ocean. You know, so I had mm-hmm. ocean front view, and I could see. I know, terrible. <laughs> I could see kind of Pearl Harbor out to the distance. Okay. And so I went. Well, let me just go look at Pearl Harbor because if I see scrambling of jets, kind of ironic a little bit. You too. know, yeah. <laughs> if I see something happening there. Because at that point, there's nothing you could do. And yeah. I told Jeff, I, you know, I'm just going to make coffee, and we'll sit in the lanai, and if the end is coming, let's enjoy it together. Yeah. Wow. Um, but I had a sense it was a false alarm, but I wasn't taking any chances. So I called the radio station, and I, I, I called, and I said, a, uh, and I said, Jackie, who was working at the time, what are you hearing about this missile alert? She goes, we're not getting anything. Like, I got the alert on the phone, but we haven't gotten, you know, we have this EBS system, civil defense system, and we weren't getting any of chirp, any kind of word Mm. through that system. So as soon as I heard her say that, I said, it's a false alarm. Like, get it, you know, double check it, but it's a false alarm. Like, if civil defense, if EBS isn't sending out the alert, something went wrong. And sure enough, it was someone who was running a test, internal test, hit the wrong button, uh, and and people were panicking. People were like getting in cars, going yeah. to the other side of the island. They were lifting up sewer caps from the streets and yeah. getting putting their children down the sewer. Um, you know, there was that that um, remembrance of what happened. You know, yeah. seventy five years ago. Uh, and my son also took off. Like my son yeah, was living also down in Waikiki area, and him and his uh, fiance got in a car and tried to start driving across the mountains to get to the North Shore. Um, and when he found out that I stayed, he like lectured me because he goes, dad, next time this happens, <laughs> you find, you know, a safe place to go. I said, well, son, there's not much you can do. Right. And, you know, just drink some coffee and, and enjoy, enjoy the, the new sunrise. Wow. Gosh. Yeah. I heard a uh, Tulsi Gabbard talk about it on a uh, Jocko's podcast and it was t- 
terrifying though her accounts of it like what you just said like fathers lowering their daughters yep. into, into wells the and yeah. stuff yeah. Like, he, yeah oh man yeah. and it took it took uh, the the bad part was that i think it took 20 minutes for somebody to say yes. it's a false alarm and right. to get then the false alarm and even then people were like well what 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 is it is it real or false and by that time after 20 minutes you would have known if it was yeah. false or not. Yeah, yeah. Never seen the missile. But again, like I talked to a Navy commander um, and asked him, what's the possibility of really getting hit by a missile from North Korea? He goes, not very good because Hawaii is a small little dot in the Pacific and they don't have the technology yeah. to get it right to hit mm. that little target in the middle of the Pacific. Yeah, if they actually hit land, it'd be on accident. It, exactly, it'd be on accident. Um, They're that bad? Well, yeah, it's well, it's it it yeah. is. I mean, it's not. They don't have the accurate system. I mean, I don't want them to be better. Yeah, but, yeah, but exactly. Like, they don't have. They don't have the <laughs> don't mon- encourage them. You know, right? They, well, they don't have the money to develop it. And there's things like um, ITAR, which prevents you from exporting technology that could be used to advance things like missile technology for other countries okay. and yeah, stuff yeah, like that. Good. And so, like when you see those space flyovers of the Korean Peninsula, uh-huh. and you see like South Korea is this modern first world country, and then there's literally a hard line, and you see like two big cities with electricity mm-hmm. at night and nothing else. So I'm not worried about their missiles until they can figure out their power grid. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. If I well, was in South Korea, that metric would change. Right. For and me, there, there are defense mechanisms in place in right. Hawaii and in Alaska that will that can prevent one missile from you know getting gotcha. to land. So he said, "Don't worry about it. Like even if that happens again, don't worry about it. Even if there's a real one coming, don't worry about it." Yeah. Like I'm worried. Like I haven't been to Hawaii yet, but I'm worried enough about my pilot finding it, let alone a North Korean <laughs> missile. It's amazing. If you look at Hawaii on a map, you really it's like, oh, we really are in the middle of the Pacific. Yeah. It yeah. really is. It's really teeny tiny. I turn uh thirty this year and I was I was like, It's a generational birthday, let's go big, Kira. Let's let's go to Hawaii. And we looked up tickets because uh, everything's no one's flying right now. It's like Fourteen hundred bucks for both of us, and then I counted a rental car. Then I counted. Oh yeah, rental cars are very expensive there. And I was like, actually, let's just go to the Keys, (laughs) (laughs) little islands, (laughs) right? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. but yeah, I'm gonna go to Hawaii one day. Yeah, well, you should, you should, and when you when you decide to go, you want to decide like what you want to do because what you want to do will will factor into what island you want to visit Ah. because every island is completely different. Okay. So, you know, Kauai for me is the most beautiful island of the island chain. It's the oldest island on the western side. Um, the big island, which is everybody thinks that's where everybody lives, but it's not. We live on Oahu. Um, the big island is the big island. It's named Hawaii, and but it's where the active volcanoes are at. And it's actually the youngest island. It's actually still a baby island. It's still growing, so it's adding land mass. Oh, wow. Every time there's lava flow, it's adding land mass. Uh, but it's that... Uh, you know, it's it's split by, you know, the, the mountain. So you have the rainy green side and then you have the, the dry side. Um, and it's, you know, it's v- very much different than even Maui. Maui it's more the touristy island and Oahu is the populous island where the, um, the seat of government is at and where Waikiki and Pearl Harbor are at. Wow. So I get ready to come. Let me know, and I'll yeah. I'll chat you up. And I, yeah. I want to go hang out with the others. Do you know where the others are located? I know. I was going to say. Yes. Yeah, so I was actually on the beach. So that is on Turtle Bay, which is on the north side of Oahu. And so I started watching The Lost late. Like I didn't like a couple of years ago. I started. Did, did you know that entire show, even the New York scenes and the LA scenes? That's all in Hawaii. That's all in Hawaii. Actually, the some of the street scenes were on the street of the apartment I lived in when I first that's moved awesome. to Hawaii. So when I started watching, I said, "Oh, that's the Alawite Canal. Oh, that's the fish market." And when I was at Turtle Bay and I went for a run, I was like, 
because Jennifer told me this is where they shot a lot of the the, the beach scenes, mm-hmm. and I started recognizing you know that's this Jack's beach. hut exactly that's Kate's hut. absolutely yeah yeah <laughs> and uh, and then all the city scenes yeah were shot in Honolulu uh, around Waikiki. Um, that's the only reason I want to go. It's the just to airport see the, the airport sh- um, scenes where he's like we have to go back. Yeah, those are all in the Honolulu Convention Center. So okay. the convention center, which was it's right next door where I live, is was where they shot all the airport scenes. That's so awesome. Cool. So they brought in seats, airport seating from the Honolulu airport, and put them in the convention center, and and shot all the scenes there in the convention center. That's awesome. Little see what you're learning yeah. by listening to Solid Seven Podcast, <laughs> which you can support at patreon.com Solid Seven Podcast. See, that's what it sounds like. We didn't even ask him to say that. No, no. <laughs> you. You'll get to experience Josh and I asking for support yeah. at the end. It's not uh, not quite as polished, but yeah. it's I, it can't like the little sequence of numbers from we're talking about the show Lost for yeah. those of you that haven't watched it. And so that sequence of numbers in it, I, somehow my IT guy Eric brought it up to me. Hey Eric, he's a Patreon supporter, um, and uh, so we were talking about it and we were curious and we looked it up. Like, has anybody ever hit the lotto with those numbers oh. like the movie? And there was, I want to say maybe it was 2011, 2015. If you Google it, it'll pop right up. But in like a Mega Millions, like multi state lotto it was something like 15,000 or 20,000 people hit like five out of six numbers playing those oh, at wow. 150 bucks a piece which oh, is okay. not too bad not i mean bad. you get a little bit out of your I investment still, of watching lost i think that show is probably still probably top notch drama would you consider that uh, um, yeah i'd say so the best show in that genre like uh, yeah i, 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 know, I, I never finished category. it i don't. got i got, yeah i got down to probably halfway However you imagine an ending yeah, will I, be better. Yeah. Because I, I was going to say, I agree with you, Josh, up through, I don't know, like season three or four. Yeah. Until I got too woo-woo, and then I'm like, what? Well. Uh, I agree with you until my second watch through. I watched it the first time all the way through, and I thought, what? And then my second watch through, you know what's going to happen, and I felt like it was better the second time through. Because you, hmm. you go, oh, I see how this, wow, they, they connected this all the way back here to up there? Hmm. It's... I think watch it once, give it a couple months, watch it again. Okay. Yeah, I will say, either of you watching This Is Us? No thanks. I watched the first two seasons yeah. and I got tired of crying. I watched the yeah, first I've, episode I, I've and I thought, <laughs> I called it on the yeah. first episode. The very beginning, I was like, this is in the past or whatever yeah. the twist was. Which was, which was a good call there, but I'll say like they've done such a phenomenal job of... Normally, I'm a step ahead of the twist in shows and movies. It just It drives my wife crazy, but but I am this is us gets me regularly yeah, 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 regularly yeah. it seemed like what you said like i i heard a lot of people crying all the time I'm like i yep. don't why do i don't want why, i don't want to watch yeah. it no i'm good yeah it's an emotional drain yeah. and it, it, you have to invest in that to want to enjoy it <laughs> and i got That's, just it's like oh no i don't want to cry again tonight and i was like in a in a, a fragile point in my life and said so i don't want to to watch that anymore oh <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. No, well, it's good. supposed to be an escape. Where's the Where's the married with children? Yeah, our, exactly. Yeah, day, which yeah. I guess that's what fam, yeah. uh, Modern yeah. Family was a little. Here's bit. to watch Modern Family, and I can't. Yeah. I don't like it. You liked it when it first came out. I don't like it anymore. Mm. I don't know what it is. There's something different about it. Yeah, I don't mm. know if I'm wrong there, but but so a bit of a pivot back. Why True. Why public radio? Great question. So um, I did commercial radio for three years, and when I got into public broadcasting. Um, uh, about a year or two into it, I realized, oh, wait a minute. So um, we raise money from the community to produce programs. And we produce programs that benefit the community. You know, that they're actually good shows, good programs. 
and and commercial radio and even commercial TV. And again, you know, they're my cousins in, in my career, and not not to badmouth them because you know it's cap goal America. We're a capitalist yeah. country, right? But commercial radio is all about um, getting as many eardrums or eyeballs in front of this the radio or the TV set to sell soap. To sell, you know, to sell commercials, right. and it doesn't matter how you get there. You want the biggest audience in the right demographic to be able to sell the highest amount of money for advertising. And so, uh, it was always the chase of the ratings in commercial radio. It's always about the ratings, and the ratings are bad. You know, DJs got fired. Formats were changed. Yeah. Um, and you produce content. You know, produce radio shows for really audience. You know, getting the greater audience, and and I for me, public radio was no. I'm going to produce good content, and then go to the community and say, hey, if you value what I do, give me, give me, give me money. We're familiar with that pitch. Yeah, and and then <laughs> I can invest that money into more really good content. Yeah. So for me, um, I just felt better in the public radio world because I was I'm, I've always been a content producer. I, I've like I'm still a producer at heart. Yeah. Um, even during the fund drives where we have a producer, I'm constantly producing our fund drives. Yeah. Um, and so uh, there's value in that. And I could, I could put my head on the pillow and sleep at night. And so we did, we did good today. Yeah. Yeah. And I got to live a, a little bit of a taste of that, not, you know, in the public radio side, but the radio station that I was interning at was a Christian radio yeah. station mm-hmm. and it was listener supported, yeah. um, you know, and so it was two big drives a year. One was like to, to raise your annual budget and then they do a, a project drive every year. And it would tend to be, you know, they'd kind of set aside what they thought it was going to take to raise what they needed to raise. And I feel like when I was there, it was maybe around like three days. Um, and you'd kind of think that it would be a slog. And I, I don't now maybe it just didn't feel that way to me because I got more airtime during that just because you're on constantly. So somebody's like, let the intern talk because I need to go to the bathroom. Um, but uh, I always I enjoyed it. It was yeah. it was exciting. And the people that are supporting like you're not beholden to anybody. There's no big exactly. sponsor that's going to say, right. I don't like this. I don't like that. It's it's individual, and you'd get some big donors, but it's yep. it's individuals, and it's fun, and you're hearing about the impact of what you're doing as right. you, you know, somebody gets a good call in the donor room, and you can put them through right. to the studio, uh, and then when you finish early, it's like a a big right. celebration. We're like, hey, we'd love right. to get back to playing you music, right. and you know, well, then you yeah, and then you're beholden to the community, right? So it's a lot of people giving five or ten dollars a month. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, our average gift is about $125 yeah. in Hawaii. But we now we have a lot of major donors. We have almost 600 major donors that gave us wow. over $1,000 a year. Um, and, and that's great. But I prefer to get 10 people giving us $10 each than one person giving us $1,000. We're almost there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you, you can become a bonus content subscriber to Solid 7 at $5 a month, or you get extra content plus a coffee mug, just like public radio yeah. at $10 a month. Oof. You support Solid 7. And See, just like that. Not unlike the podcast, it's a better than average coffee mug. There you go. Yeah. Hey. So how about you tell all those uh, supporters that were doing the $1,000 things, <laughs> hey, you guys, yeah, yeah, what do you get for $1,000 a year? We're available. Yeah. You get I this, mean, I'll, a hug. I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll, do, I'll, I'll drive I'll, to wherever you're at and give you a good handshake. Yeah, yeah. I'll come mow your lawn. I'm like, there's a lot of options. Well, be careful what you ask for because you know, they also know you get someone say, all right, well, let's, yeah. let's hold you accountable to that. Here's a $1,000 yeah. gift. Go, come, 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 come cut my grass. And they have like a mansion yard and yeah, right. Huge. Yeah. Now yeah. I would imagine just from like the the tech nerds nerd side that broadcasting radio in Hawaii because we we've talked about how different the train is mm-hmm. and how different the, mm-hmm. the 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 various islands are that there's 
I mean, well, I guess they wouldn't be unique to you because I would guess, you know, out west around the Rockies and, but mountains, like there is yeah. a line of sight issue. Like broadcast, yes. it does present an issue for exactly. broadcast radio. Yeah, it's it's hard to do radio in Hawaii. Um, here in Orlando, we were blessed because we had one tower, thousand foot tower. Florida is flat, yeah. So with one transmitter, um, we can cover almost at the edge of Tampa into the Atlantic Ocean. So we even have Russian submarines, you know, in the Atlantic Ocean here in Florida <laughs> that would support us. In Hawaii, yeah, we have these pesty things called mountains, volcanoes, and oceans. FM is line of sight, right? So we have to get around those mountains and volcanoes. And so that's why it takes us 18 transmitters um, to have the coverage that wow. we have. Even on the island of Oahu, which is little, teeny, tiny, we have six transmitters just to get around the mountain range that we have yeah. in, in Oahu. So, um, uh, so it is difficult to do. Um, and, but, you know, we use that pitch when we talk to our listeners to say, you know, for us to get to all of our neighbor islands, we need you to help us get there. Yeah. And so Hawaii, you know, it's a very community spirit, a lot of aloha spirit. Um, and so listeners in Oahu, which, you know, 900,000 of the population of 1.3 million live in Oahu. So it's the most populous. Mm -hmm. You know, they want to help the neighbor islands. Yeah. Uh, and so um, we've built that infrastructure and, and, you know, mother nature, you know, is a thing also in Hawaii and some of our transmitters we can only get access to by going by helicopter and you can only fly by helicopter wow. if the weather's good. Uh, and so sometimes if a transmitter goes down, it might like we had one transmitter, it's, it's taken almost a year for us to repair because you get you go up there on a helicopter and you realize oh we don't have the parts to oh fix my it gosh. so we got to fly it down ship it to the mainland it comes back and then you run into another problem so it could be it could be difficult but then rewarding because then you say oh we're on all the neighbor islands yeah you know? that's cool well and then didn't um, like I feel like shortly after you moved Hawaii took like a direct hit from a cyclone. Uh, almost right? no, almost almost. There was a a, a cyclone hurricane uh, that hit Hawaii a couple years before I was there. But um, the first year I was there, we had three hurricanes coming directly to Hawaii, and I was like, "Really? I left Orlando." <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> it's like, like come on, like, like you know what's up? Yeah. Uh, and so uh, you know, if you can imagine the the how the island chain is built, right? You have the big island on the east side of the of the chain, uh, and then you have um, Maui uh, and Molokai, and then you have Oahu and Kauai, uh, and the big island with those two big volcanoes, Mauna Loa. Uh, and Mauna Kea, they serve as two offensive linemen. So what happens when a, when a hurricane hits two big mountains, right? They break apart, and you have wind shear. And so the big island serves as a defense line for the, west, for the rest of the island chain. Yeah. So that's what happened. It came and hit the big island. Uh, it broke up. And we were spared on on Oahu, and that's happened a couple yeah. times. And again, you know, it, we're so small that a hurricane can be looking at coming at us, but it's going to miss us by a long shot because yeah. it just, you know, the chances of it hitting Hawaii are very very so small. So all we really need here in Central Florida is a couple of big mountains. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I'm gonna get right. On I top mean, of being that. Orlando, we're we're pretty fine because it takes a lot to get to the middle. Yeah, but then the we state. had three back to back to back, and no five. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. was rough. That was a yeah. rough one. But that, that was like the last time. That was 05. It's been yeah. several years since. But I, Charlie was the only one that was really bad. It yeah. was the fact that... Well, yeah, Charlie it, it, was... They were stacked up. Exactly. Charlie was supposed to like go up the Tampa Bay coastline, and the last minute, 
you know, right. it went right and hit us. And then we were still recovering from Charlie. And then we had two others that were slow, came from the East Coast, yeah, yeah. and were slow and kind of just hung out, you know, say, hey, I heard Vicky's in town. <laughs> Let's hang out here for a while. And then we just got drenched, drenched with rain. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and so when you get three of them, one that's hard and fast, mm-hmm. and then two that are slow and lots of rain, that's where the impact yeah. was really felt. And we had those blue tarp, you know, ceilings, roofs here in Orlando for a couple of years after Oh, that. Yeah. yeah. Irma was okay. My car got flooded, and I had to get a new car yeah. from Irma. In Central Florida, they they tend to be rain events. But every once in a while, we'll, we'll get hammered. was different. Yeah. And, it, you know, if you're, <laughs> you're not, everybody listening knows us. But if you're not in Central Florida, <laughs> um, you know, and you're like, what? What are you? So we have these big spinning storms called hurricanes. And there's actually, you wouldn't know this if you weren't in an area that would be affected. There's good sides and bad sides to the hurricanes. Or right. worse sides and not as worse sides. Um, and so you really want to avoid that upper east quadrant. That's right. where they rip. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, if they kind of come up our, our east coast, you know, like if you've seen Daytona Beach on TV, if they come up our east coast and we kind of get that that western side of the storm in central Florida, that's not the one that's necessarily going to be knocking trees over on houses. It's just going to dump a lot of water right. on us. Yep. But uh, yep. when they, and then, I mean, there's been some, they'll hook around and then they'll yeah. hook back. And yeah, sometimes it just looks like yep. God really just wants us to get yep. hit by a hurricane. <laughs> and, uh, some sometimes not and so um started you know eight years old yeah radio's the dream yeah you end up doing radio in college yeah you head up a big top market yep uh, public radio station yep you move to another where does hawaii rank as a market because of population um i, I think it's in the 70 something yeah it's not a it's it's where we think we're a big city but we're a small yeah. town still um, and we, you know, we have always, now that tourists are coming back, we have a, like Orlando, big tourist population, yeah. not as big as Orlando, but it's, um, and it's a very Asian American influence community, Honolulu and Hawaii. Um, but we have great, I mean, we have great seafood, yeah, fresh seafood, great sushi, great, great mix of food, of Hawaiian food, Pacific food. Um, yeah. Yeah. Now, when you uh, when you come to the continental U.S., do you just leave all of your clothes here and fill your luggage with water bladders full <laughs> of milk and take that back with you? I've always heard milk is super expensive. Oh, it is. Oh, yes. Okay, uh, it is. Um, and for the first two and a half years, I didn't buy milk. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just uh, envisioning luggage filled with all of like the little kids' yeah, lunch cartons. It of is, milk. I mean, it is the cost of living in paradise because everything has to be shipped to Hawaii. Oh. And and things aren't shipped from China to Hawaii because of I forget what the statute is, but there's a law that um, uh, things can only be shipped to Hawaii and Puerto Rico that are coming from the mainland. Yes. So things from China have to go all the way to San Francisco and then come back from San Francisco uh, to Hawaii, uh, be- and that's everything. Like you know, Hawaii used to uh, grow vegetables and fruit, mm-hmm. and there's some some of that still going on, but because of the overdevelopment of houses. Um, there's not a lot of terrain for yeah. big farms, and um, and so everything has to be shipped. So everything I, I I sometimes play a game. You know, I walk from my apartment, I go that was shipped from the mainland. That was shipped. You know, like everything yeah. is shipped. So food is also shipped, and that's that's the what's the danger of a hurricane in Hawaii or any event in Hawaii is that if um, we get hit with something and the airports go down, we have to wait three or four months to get aid. Yeah. Well, you know, because it has to come by ship. Yeah. Well, and that Puerto Rico lived that. Yeah, uh, in Puerto Rico. Was that Irma? Uh, yeah, like, but Puerto Rico is, 
uh, at least a sh- there's a short airplane. It's, closer, yeah. it's a little closer. You can get a ship from from Florida to or to San Juan, Puerto Rico, in a day or two. Yeah. Hawaii is a couple of months of a big ship yeah. to come to bring us it uh, takes, stuff. How long does it take for a ship to get from? say San Francisco to Hawaii. Is that literally a month's journey? I think it's like a month's journey because when I had my wow. car shipped, it took about a month and a half. When we came I would not have Francisco. guessed it would have taken that long. Part yeah. of it is I imagine it's like you got to get a ship's worth of stuff to go. Exactly, right. Part yeah. of it, like you're exactly. building inventory. The initial journey itself is not Yeah, you're not going to run a half full yeah, but, it, but still the, right. the, the, the trip from the harbor to the harbor is about a month, month and a half. Wow. wow. Yeah. yeah, I'll say, I you know, we uh, I've been space nerding a ton lately, and we talk about space a lot on the podcast here. Um, and something that always surprised me, of course, SpaceX does these awesome landings out on these little barges in the middle of the ocean. Mm-hmm. It's insane that they do it. But I'm always surprised at, like, how quick the barge, like, it's way out there. We're talking, like, 600 kilometers out. And I feel like the barge is just there and back, like, no no big deal. I'm like, how how quick can these things move? So we need to get Elon on that transport to Hawaii <laughs> thing. Yeah. Get him to yeah. cut the time down yeah. on that there. But so, yeah. so climb the pinnacle, head of Hawaii public radio. I mean, I would imagine you're the envy of all public. Ra- like guys might be in, or gals might be in bigger markets, but they're not looking out their window at Pearl Harbor. Right. Yes. I mean, so there's the allure of coming, but the problem is, I was lucky because I came as a single guy, um, uh, already with a lot of experience under my belt. My kids were all grown, are all grown. They're all adults. Um, the problem is when you when you move to Hawaii, and this is what happens in Hawaii when you bring uh, people with some experience from the mainland to take a job in Hawaii, whether it's to run the museum or run the bank, um, they get island fever. They get rock fever. And, or their spouse gets rock fever, which is even worse. Their spouse comes, they, they you know, are far away from their mother and their parents, and the kids are like, ah, you know, they don't know what to do until they get into surfing, then they love it. Yeah. Um, you have to get the kids into a private school because some of the public schools are not, you know, the best. I mean, they, we have a good system, but, you know, a lot of people want to put their kids in private school. So that's expensive, and it's expensive to live there. And so you've, there's a feeling of isolation yeah. uh, because it takes a while for the community. It's a very loving community, but it takes a while for the community to kind of accept you mm. because a lot of people from the East Coast have come to Hawaii and have been burned out in six months and leave. So when I came to Hawaii, it was like, yeah, let's w- let's see if you're here in a year. Yeah. Hmm. You know, like I tried to get into a soccer team. And it was like I wasn't getting any returning calls, you know, until, you know, and then I was like, I'm retired. But uh, it takes about a year or so for them to say, the community of Hawaii to say, okay, looks like you're staying. And then it takes really two years for you to be invited to the Rotary Club or yeah. something. Um, but so I, you know, so a lot of people are envious of the job, but I don't think they would take the job um, because it, it is a tough place to come and to move a family yeah. if you have a young family. Mm. Well, I, I feel like I could make that adjustment. <laughs> yeah. Well, and a lot of military families succeed because they go to the military base, so they have a community of people there yeah. to support ah, yeah. them. Yeah, and they go to the grocery store there. They, you know, they have the PX, the, the commissary. Right. So it's a different world, and so a lot of military guys are on the base, and then they they, they always come back because they have that three year experience, and so they have adapted to, it, so they can adapt to it later in life and bring back their family to Hawaii. Okay. So the 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 pinnacle though where I'm leading with this. Like you've, yeah. you've done your time. You've done all this hard work. You've had every job there is to have at a radio yeah, station. True. You've built this skill set. You've built this reputation. And all of it leads you here 
to the Solid 7 podcast. That's right. I, <laughs> so, I can retire. My You're concern, right. <laughs> I was excited to, to have you on. You've checked all the boxes of life. I have, yes. I've, uh, you've been talking to Josh about this, but I'm afraid about what this does for you beyond <laughs> this. Like, I'm afraid yeah, I have you're nowhere else back, to go. You're going to get back to Honolulu, and it's, it's just going to lose... I'm going to lose momentum. Lose its yeah. luster. Well, we really can just call you do. in. We can just be, yeah, like, absolutely. Hey, I need to be yeah, on again. Yeah, it's six hour time difference, half the year, and half the year it's five hour time difference. By the way, which also makes it tough to be in Hawaii. But um, no, it's I, I love it, and I, I you know when you invited me, um, I, I, I I'm glad I was so honored that you invited me. I wouldn't say no. Uh, I made time. You know, I'm here uh, visiting my kids and and my grandsons. I have a brand new grandson who I've was born during COVID, so he turned a year ago. Yeah. His first birthday was last week, Friday. So I got to meet him for the very first time this week. Wow, that's awesome! Um, and so this is a important trip for me to meet. You know, be with my family and and see my my siblings are all in town. There's six of us. Wow, um, and. Uh, because uh, it's you know I've I, I've I've had a great life um, I'm having a great life um, but I've had you know I'm facing the biggest challenge of my life yeah. uh, so I was diagnosed with ALS just recently uh, and you know uh, you can't see me on the radio uh, but I'm I'm struggling with my mobility I'm and, and I'm dealing with the consequences of that diagnosis um, but I, I approach it as I do everything with a positive attitude and, mm-hmm. and knowing that. You know, I there's things for me to do and people for me to see, and um, uh, I'm in the early stages of it, uh, and so you know, hoping that uh, science will catch up <laughs> yeah. uh, in time. Uh, so this is an important trip, and and it, but it was important enough for me to make time for you, Kale, because you've been an important part of my life. So well, and I appreciate that, man, and and you too. I mean, you know. Jade and I, I love you. You know, it was love at, at first, missed header. And, uh, you know, here we are now. Yeah. And so, and I, I literally, my, I'm like, I'll, we'll record wherever and whenever. Because yeah. yeah. I knew you had a lot to, to fit yeah. in. It. I'm yeah. like, 1 a.m.? Okay, let's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> let's do it. And it is. So. It's 2 a.m. here in the hotel lobby. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, in Hawaii time, it is. Um, actually, you, you're just waking uh, up it right is, now. Uh, right? Yeah, it's, it's 11 o'clock. So, yeah. But uh, so, you know, you have all this experience, you have your, I mean, highly qualified. Now, I mean, you've even, uh, like, you've sat on the national board for NPR. Which right. I feel like I served a, uh, a couple of terms on the board of National Public Radio. Yeah. Um, and that was a great experience being there at, you know, uh, HQ for HPR, for NPR. Um, was part of the committee that went from the new building to, uh, the old building to the new building. Um and it's exciting, you know, to be there and, and help lead the national organization of, of national public radio. Um, and I loved it. It was, a, you know, it's it's a great, you know, it's a great experience. And, and who would have thought, you know, that a little Puerto Rican kid uh, who had a tape recorder. So I used to play DJ in my room. I had a little tape recorder. I had two albums. I had The Carpenters and Jose Feliciano. <laughs> and I would sit there and I would, with my little voice, and say, that was The Carpenters. And I would needle drop and record, you know, moving the mic. I would record the record. <laughs> and and that, and now Jose Feliciano. And I would take off The Carpenters record. Yes. You know, so who would have thunk that that little Puerto Rican kid who just had a dream at eight years old of wanting to do this for you know for work and getting paid for it. Yeah, uh, got to serve on the board of National Public Radio uh, and and lead you know a six point two million dollar you know organization you know um, in Hawaii. Uh, it's I mean it's a dream come true. Yeah, you know, it's it's really I can't I can't I couldn't have asked for more. 
No, it is amazing. You know, and and I have done everything, you know, in radio from commercial radio DJ uh, to TV shows I hosted and um, management. I've always wanted to get into management, so I've been able to do that and, and have some levels of success. That's awesome. It's funny, I flash back as you're talking about playing around with your, your tape deck as a kid. They would let me uh, at the radio station play around with, I can't remember the, the term, and you will, but when they were tracking the weekends, when they'd go in and record the weekend segments because the jocks aren't going to be right. in the studio live, they'd let me go in and just play with those. So And it'll give you um, like the, the end of the song you're coming out mm-hmm. of and the beginning of the song you're going right. into, and you just record your segment like you're live on air. Mm-hmm. And I just had the hardest time with it. I, I had a good feel for the timing. Like I can hit the post. No problem, yeah. but the the coming talking over coming out and going back in, I just couldn't ever quite. It's probably yeah. why I didn't yeah. didn't get a job with them. But, uh, so when you did the radio stuff, like did you pick the songs or did someone else pick the songs and you had like a cue list you had to follow? So when I did Golden Review at KNCT FM's Friday nights from six to midnight, I got to pick my own music. Okay, um, so it was music from the fifties and sixties, which I really didn't know very well. Um, so a lot of it, I was just kind of guessing, you yeah. know, and things I would play, I would recognize. So then I would play it again the next, you know, the next week. I got I got familiar as I went. I did that for a year. Um, but it, when I got, you know, when I got into commercial radio, we were already sort of automated. Now the 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 morning guy, the midday guy, the afternoon drive guy could do their own thing. The nighttime and the weekend was pretty much automated, as you were saying. Um, so there was a formula. And we had maybe two opportunities to play what we wanted, mm. uh, and, but the rest was pretty much like a formula of what you played. Uh, you had the occurrence, you had your reoccurring hits, uh, and you had your your classics. Uh, so you had your C's, your RC's, and your your um, uh, your your classics, which had a different different letter. Um, and now in commercial radio, like all, like even in Orlando, you listen to radio, it's the same personality in Orlando that is in Honolulu with mm. iHeartRadio and it's the same music and it's the top, you know, it's a very scientific. These are the top 10 songs that we're going to play over and over and over again because mm-hmm. it's all driven by tune in and audience retention. Uh, now in, in public radio, our classical music station, yeah, our, we have, we do local music, so our, our local personalities get to pick their own music okay um but when i did it uh i couldn't even use my name jose fardo because this was like 1983 in central texas and country radio you can't just go by jose antonio (laughs) fajardo so my on-air name was ken ripley okay that's fantastic believe it or not it was ken ripley we should have put that on Orlando city stadium see you you don't have to make that noise yeah, there you, you go. go. Ken Ripley, believe it or not. That's fa- wow. <laughs> it's fantastic. <laughs> now, uh, NPR at large has obviously had massive success in the podcast space, and which we're familiar with because we're peers uh, with those massive NPR podcasts. Of course um, you are. But uh, have you guys made some of that pivot at the local no, level? Do you don't you know, produce anything locally? Or? Well, so we some of our local content, uh, we we put where you can subscribe to it. So we do a daily talk show called The Conversation and you can subscribe to it. So if you don't listen to it live, you can listen to it at your own leisure. So that's kind of podcasting. But my definition of podcasting is like what you guys are doing, which is uh, content that is exclusively designed to be subscribed to that's not on the air, Mm -hmm. that people, you know, go to it and want to hear it. And so, you know, a lot of radio shows that are on public radio now started as podcasts and then migrated to public radio. And then there's a lot of public radio programs that have – uh, that are available as podcasts, but 
so we don't do we don't do any original content just for podcasting because we're just too small of operation. That's a big investment. Um, but we a lot of our stuff is available online. Uh, including the conversation or yeah. Manu Minute, which is a one-hour uh, segment we do on native, not native, but birds from Hawaii. And so a lot of them are extinct. So we play sound of these birds that are, oh, have wow. been extinct. And so a lot of people love that kind of stuff. We do the Hawaiian word of the day, uh, which you can download. It's only like 30 seconds. Uh, we have this guy, Dave Lawrence, who interviews uh, rock and roll people from around the country, but with their connection to Hawaii. And a lot of people love that, so they they subscribe to that. Uh, but podcast. So the thing about, and you guys are experiencing this too, right? It's 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 the rate of growth. Yeah. You have to work really really hard. You have to work really really hard to get to your fifty listeners that yeah. you have or subscribers. I mean, right? But you have to believe that you, every week you're going to get at least one or two more. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, and you're in this big pond with a lot of tadpoles. Yeah. And there's a big fish, and they're eating a lot of those tadpoles. Only a few of those tadpoles are going to become frogs, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, there's a lot of content out there now, and not enough ears to listen to that content. So you need to get yourself in front of an audience that's going to say, let me try you out. And when they try you out, that you're good enough that they want to say, let me try it out again to see if they're that good to hear it one more time, a second time. Mm-hmm. And so you have to deliver them that consistency of quality. Uh, and so right now, the, the conversation in the public radio world about podcast is, is there too many? Uh, and how do you measure it? Yeah. Right? Because right now you're measuring it as subscribers or downloads, but you're not really measuring it if they've listened to the download. Right? Mm-hmm. So like uh, a very popular public radio show, um, which will go unidentified, but for the longest time, it's the number one podcast show in America. Uh, and it's one of those shows that's hip to listen to, and it's hip to say, I subscribe to this program. Uh, but were people actually listening to the mm-hmm. podcast? So it's one thing to say, we have 5,000 downloads of this podcast, but are 5,000 people listening to yeah. it? And so until someone clears up that equation, it's hard for someone like us at Hawaii Public Radio to say, okay, let's pr- let's produce a podcast that's only going to be listened to by a very limited audience, and we don't even know if they're actually listening. Yeah. We can count the ticker on the downloads, but are they listening to it? Yeah. So it's like, you know, for me, I have to, we've got to solve that um, equation before I get, because uh, I don't listen to podcasts. Uh, I listen to your show. Um, how's that? Solid seven, patreon.com, <laughs> solid seven podcast, $5 a month bonus content. Um, but I'm not, I'm not the, I'm not the market. You yeah, know, you right. Josh is the market. Yeah. You know, and he's, uh, I've been surprised at our, so to the extent that we understand our metrics and that they're accurate, uh, there's doubts on both sides of that, our ability to understand them and their accuracy. Mm. But, uh, the bulk of our listenership is, uh, is Josh's age bracket and not yeah. mine, which uh, surprised me some. So we have, you know, in Hawaii public radio, we have started up this generation listen group. We made up of younger listeners and we're learning a lot from them. They're interacting with us. It's a social group of people, but, but we know not just through them, but also research at NPR, that the younger demographic that's being introduced to public radio is really listening to podcasts. They're not listening to 88.3. Yeah. Um, exactly, yeah, 88.3, you're listening. Words on sound effects. You're listening to 88.3 FM, The this. Morning Show with Kale, Josh, and Jose. You need a quacking duck oh, for I, that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> this is what I thought of when yeah, I heard 88.3. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, no, no, too mean. Yeah, too mean. mean. Uh, and so... Um, I don't know where I was going with that. I got distracted by the sound effect. Well, you're younger listeners. Oh, yeah. So, so, you know, uh, 
our younger listeners don't even own a radio. Yeah. Yeah. Don't own a radio. Uh, in their cars, they're they're streaming their smart device right. to listen mm-hmm. to podcasts, and so they say they're listening to public radio because they're listening to those shows with the names that are affiliated with public radio, but they're not listening to radio. So then the trick is uh, to get them to make the connection to that national podcast to their local public radio station for them to give money not just to the podcast but to give money to public radio. And uh, so that, as we look around the corner at what's the next thing for radio – is uh, we're so it's two o'clock in the morning. We have people coming in from the bars, apparently <laughs> at the Jeez. Hilton lobby. Uh, and um, uh, is how do we continue to grow our audience or maintain our audience when our audience isn't even listening to transistor over the radio yeah. over the land radio? Uh, so that's why we're in the business. You know, you can listen to HPR online anytime at hawaiipublicradio.org. We have a great app that we promote the heck out of. You can contribute on the app. So we talk about the app all the time. Uh, we're on. We were on smart speakers before a lot of stations were on smart speakers because we knew that was the next place yeah. to be. So we want to be where our listeners are yeah. and where they will be, knowing that our younger listeners, as they continue to mature and have a, a money to give. That if they call their smart speaker, say, I want to listen to X show, that the X show is coming through them through Hawaii Public Radio's yeah. domain, mm-hmm. uh, and then they make the association with Hawaii Public Radio. It's a tough market, and and, and I, I applaud you guys for jumping into the pond uh, and swimming with the other tadpoles. Yeah. Uh, and I want to give you um, assurance that if you keep working at it and making your product better every day and thinking not what not, not what you guys want to talk about but what do, what does your audience want you to talk about right. what is their interest to keep them engaged for 30 minutes for an hour because uh, again our attention is short these days so yeah. you know you, you get me at 10 minutes you might get me for 15 if you get me 15 you might get me for 20 um, and developing that arc of the storytelling um, it, it it could be a fruitful venture to get into, but it, it takes a long time. And so you have to just, it's, you know, people say it's a marathon. It is a marathon. It's yeah. like, it's a three, three marathons built into one. And so, um, you just have to keep at it. And if you love it and you do it for the love of doing it, you're going to succeed at it. But your content also has to be good. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that's the upside. <laughs> it is, it is fun. Almost all the time. Almost all the time. So, I, you know, I think we've spent a lot of time building up your credentials, your bona fides, your your background. Clearly, I think it's anyone would be comfortable and justified in calling you an expert in, in radio and potentially even in entertainment. No, we're not radio. We are radio adjacent. Um, and so I think being that you're, you're, you're kind of adjacent to our industry, kind of in it. Um, and that you've expressed that you're not really a podcast listener. I think this is the appropriate time to get your professional opinion on if we have overshot in selling ourselves as a solid seven. Our take was <laughs> there's millions of podcasts out there. And it, we actually read the stat. I can't remember episode three or something like that. I think it was episode one. Like, during COVID, the number of podcasts doubled. A million more podcasts Yeah, launched. of course. Sure. And I listen to a lot of podcasts. Yeah. And Josh listens to some podcasts. Yeah. And a lot of podcasts are not very good. From a technical standpoint, not even my right. personal opinion. I'm not judging the content, the the recording. That, and I'm thinking, yeah, I think we can be better than seven out of ten of these jokers. Yeah. And so, um, as a non podcast listener and as a radio guy, have we overshot with our title? 
No, I think you guys right now are a solid seven <laughs> All right. uh, moving nice. up, right? Yeah. So hold on, hold uh, on. Here we go. Yeah. Yes. Uh, you have the equipment. So, you know, like you're right. A lot of people start podcasting with terrible equipment, terrible sound. Uh, they are talking to themselves. Um, they're not interacting with somebody else. They're not conducting an interview. You have good interviewing skills. So you ha- you've invested in some good equipment, sound quality. It's always sound. If you don't have sound quality, you're dead in the water. Um, and as long as you continue to have interesting conversations, that you can carry. I mean, we've been talking for an hour and a half, and I can only give you five more minutes, by the way, just to give you a time cue. Um, uh, people, A, are attracted to you because you're, uh, you have a good personality, and then the content, you know, is what's, what's, what's going to keep them. So, yeah, I'd give you guys, you know, a solid seven and moving in the, in the right direction. Awesome. <laughs> so well, you're going to we'll, get at least 10 more subscribers we'll, out of this, we'll I'm sure. It. We'll yeah. take it. Well, and you mentioned your time. We do want to be respectful of your time. And, dude, thank you so much. Oh, doing like, this. It's been I, so much I, I, fun. I'm just grateful. And I'm grateful for having a new friend in my life yeah. now and got a, a free Jocko Discipline Go drink to go on the go. And let me tell our listeners, because I am a public radio, that if you enjoy this content, this content does not come free, right? This you re- We rely on your contributions to bring you solid seven content. Uh, how do you guys, how long, you guys, every week? Uh, weekly, right now. Oh, weekly. Episode weekly. 15. We've been weekly. It for a minute. Weekly. And this is uh, great content. And they rely on your support to continue to bring you this this service because there are expenses. They're, they're, like, this microphone, you didn't get this for free. No, no. They're not uh, giving these things away. Right. Uh, and, and, and I know Jade. Uh, you know, likes to eat, you know, and have not, I'm not, not, not that way, Josh, you <laughs> no, know, yeah, no, your yeah. children like to eat, you, want, you need to eat, to eat, right? Yeah, and and they well, being clothed yeah. and, and so housed. for $5 a month, you can join the community of listeners to make this content possible in your community. And with that $5 a month, not only are you helping these guys out to ensure this quality content, but you get bonus content. So you're going to get extra stuff that no one else is going to hear. You get it first before anyone else. And at $10 a month, you get that bonus content plus an exclusive Solid 7 mug that you can enjoy your favorite beverage as you listen to the brand new podcast coming to you from Solid Seven. You can contribute at patreon.com slash solid seven podcast. Give what you can, but do give to support solid seven. How's that? I'm in awe. That was I mean, fantastic. I'm going to clip that and reuse it <laughs> yeah. over and over again. <laughs> That's I'm our never, new intro. <laughs> I'm never doing a pitch for support ever again. Yeah. <laughs> well, so. thank you so much. Oh, this my has pleasure. been so much fun. I feel like I'm being greedy because now I, I get a double dose of Jose. Yeah, I get to we, see We're getting together later in yeah. this trip with yeah. you yeah. and excited about that. Yeah. So, I'm looking forward to that. Really appreciate you making the time. Yeah, awesome. Love you, love you, love you. So happy to see you. And uh, hopefully we, we can have you back. Maybe, Absolutely, uh, maybe yeah. Maybe from, uh, you know. Next time I come. Yeah, or you don't say over the pond in the Pacific. No. That's an Atlantic thing, but uh, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, we have to get to. Yeah, to, yeah, I don't know what the saying is. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll have to lever the, Come the to technology and, and do this again. I feel for I sure. Have us so for sure. And in the meantime, listeners, we love you, and uh, we'll see you next week. Have a great life, everyone. Bye.